Goblins, Brandon here. Uh, if you enjoy what we do and you'd like to help support us create more and maybe even take the podcast to weekly, then the best way right now that you can support us is to head over to patreon.com slash goblinsgrowlers. You can find all the different stuff we do there, one-page dungeons, uh, bonus audio for things, all kinds of stuff. So head on over there, uh, and even if it's just a dollar or you know however much you're comfortable doing, or if you can't put anything toward the Patreon, just tell a friend about it. Tell somebody about the podcast. That's another great way to support us. So, uh, patreon.com slash goblins growlers, uh, and we'll see y'all soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Goblins and Growlers podcast. I'm Josh Maltby at Black Cloak DM on Twitter and Discord. Ooh, you're adding something new to the fray there. The Discord account you've had for years. You're, you're just talking about mentioning it now. I may have changed my username recently for branding purposes. Got it. Well, I'm Brandon <laughs> Dingus at Way of Brandalore on some Discords. Um, I need to look and see what my actual Discord username is because I've just got aliases set up on a bunch of different ones. I'm pretty sure your default Discord handle is Way of Brandalore now. Oh, okay. All right. Well, anyway, that's where you can find me on stuff. But uh, yeah, we're uh, we're a week late, but just as great here at the Goblins and Growlers podcast right now. So um, we had some various life things going on and realized like Friday, Thursday or Friday, that we were just not going to have time to get everything done that we needed to get done. So we made the executive decision to just push it off for a week. So here we are. Yeah, I think it was the best course of action to be taking in that moment because it was basically like, do we try to wedge a recording session into an already busy weekend or do we push back recording a week and just handle it that way? And I think I think it's healthier for everyone to be making decisions like the ones Brandon and I just did. Yeah, yep. You got to you got to. You got to take care of yourself. <laughs> it was definitely a self-care decision, at least on my part. That's why I supported it so much. Absolutely. Well, yeah. and we appreciate everyone's patience waiting the extra week for episodes to come out. So, yeah, and we'll figure out after this if we're going to release one next week or we're going to uh, just alter our <laughs> release schedule for the forever now. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I think realistically, given how your and my schedules have been aligning lately, I think this is just our new release schedule. <laughs> We've gone from what, like second and fourth to first and third of the month or vice versa. I don't know. It's every two weeks. We're <laughs> um, biweekly, not semi-monthly. Uh, yeah. But yeah. anyway, um, we got uh, a, a real sort of sort of a low grade Twitter fire to talk about today and uh, it, it's something that I saw, I forget where I saw it initially, but, um, I think I sent it to you and I was like, oh, we should probably talk about this because people are making noise about it. Um, but having to do with dark sun, which is something I've always been a fan of. Um, but, uh, Josh, if you want to set it up for folks. Well, I know, I know the conversation at the very least, the first that I had heard of it was through our disco dragon on the discord, uh, Kyle. That's right. That's sent, where I heard of it. Sent the Twitter thread and you and I both kind of glanced at the Twitter thread and we're like, mm, mm, yeah, I remember now. I was like, of. there's a lot. Also, there's a lot here and there's a lot of opinions about this and I don't have time right at this moment <laughs> to go into all of it. 
Before we get into the meat of today's episode, I have a question for you, Brandon. Okay. And that is, how do you feel about the idea of Matt Mercer running the next season of Dropouts Dimension 20? Um, I don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay. No, I've had uh, a lot going on, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only saw this today. Uh, again, shared in our Discord, which I'm loving how much of a news resource our Discord is becoming. It's great. I'm about it. <laughs> Makes my life so much easier. Um, somebody posted a video clip of the Dimension 20 teaser for their next upcoming season. Mm -hmm. And all it is is some dramatic music and some nice graphical effects and then Matt Mercer behind the GMing table with his fingers steepled in a very, uh, are you sure you want to do that kind of way? Uh-huh. I mean, was there any and, other information there? I mean, no, it's I to me, it seems fairly self-apparent that Matt Mercer will be running the next season of Dimension 20, which mm -hmm. is a series that I'm very, very late to the party on, but I have been enjoying thoroughly everything that I've watched. I'm currently mm -hmm. working my way through Escape from Bloodkeep. It's like uh, it's like Letterman going to uh, CBS <laughs> for a reference from 30 years ago. <laughs> um, is he still doing Critical Role? I believe so. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I haven't heard anything about Critical Role stopping. I think this is just something he's working on when he has time. Which oh, well, I can't imagine. Yeah, good for him. I can't imagine Dimension 20 eats up a huge amount of time for like the GM and the the like people playing characters. All right. Though, I don't know. <laughs> well, here's my relatively uninformed opinion on Matt Mercer, because obviously I don't know him as a human being. I don't follow everything that he does all the time, but I have watched him work. Um, he's very talented. Um, he seems to me that he knows he's very talented. Um, I, and this is, this is an unhealthy part of me, uh, that's wanting to just gossip right now. And I don't consider this shit talk or anything like that. I'm just giving my opinion on it is he seems very full of himself, uh, and the place that he has carved out for himself within the fandom. And I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with being proud of that accomplishment, but he just doesn't exude humility. And that puts me off a little bit. I think for me, from what I've seen of him in interviews and things like that, because I, as someone who really could not get into Critical Role, um, I don't I couldn't tell you for sure exactly what it is about it that I can't handle. But there's something about it that just does. It's not my vibe. It's not mm -hmm. my vibe. And that's OK. Not everything is for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um. I, I fully support the people who love it and appreciate it. And I'm glad that they've got something to be absolutely thrilled about. Yeah. I mean, I, I, just, I just feel like more power to the man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think uh, Matt Mercer as a person based on interviews and things like that, that I've seen, he absolutely does seem like someone who knows how famous he is and mm -hmm. kind of relishes it a little bit, which I think is what you're picking up on. Right. But I think also he is legitimately as nerdy as the rest of us. Like, I think he knows his way around a D and D player's handbook in a way that a lot of us wish we did. 
Yeah. I don't I know. mean, I think he, I'm, he's he's probably the first and biggest professional dungeon master out there. And, you know, let, let's be real. All of us would probably be acting and feeling the same way if it had been us. And again, like, I don't like to shit on people, but let's, you know, keep in mind that hard work didn't necessarily get him there. Hard work got him a lot of the way, but luck always plays uh, a, a not insignificant component in these kind of situations. I, I think it is worth highlighting that Matt Mercer and Critical Role as a show would not be nearly as large as it is if it was not made up of Hollywood celebrities mm -hmm. who were celebrities long before they were anything on Twitch. Right. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. This is it feel, feels to me like us complaining about this. It's just like the people who live like <laughs> in a hovel across the bay from from Gatsby complaining about all the noise from his party. <laughs> and everything. <laughs> Like they they can see the lantern and they're just like that damn jazz man and his <laughs> and his decadent art deco parties. They're oh sitting over God. in West. They're sitting over in West Egg cooking a can of beans on an ethanol fire or something. <laughs> I don't I don't think we're being quite that bad. I think uh, I think we have respect for Matt Mercer and the work he has done. Um but no, I think I think it'll be an interesting season. I in I'm enjoying seeing him in Bloodkeep, though that might in part be because everyone is constantly bullying him. I don't know. We'll see. Having having covered our old man grousing about how Matt Mercer is and forever will be significantly more famous than either of us. Correct. Uh let's let's talk about the meat of today's episode, which is Kyle Brink went on to Bob World Builder mm -hmm. and Bob World Builder hit him with a series of, I would say, very excellent questions. And one of those questions was, what are the odds that we're going to see a Dark Sun campaign release? And you know what? I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Bob and Kyle speak for themselves hey josh before you let kyle brink speak for himself maybe you should tell everybody who kyle brink is oh kyle brink is the ex oh lord he's the executive producer on the physical side of wizards of the coast uh specifically for DD. not the mental side he only handles the strength and con checks well, well, he doesn't it doesn't handle the interwiz <laughs> look when you have D&D Beyond as a platform, <laughs> I think it's worth clarifying that Kyle Brink doesn't really work on the D&D Beyond side of things. He mostly works on the print books and things like that side of things. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm going to let these two gentlemen speak for themselves. Any potential, and I feel like I expect I know the answer to this, any potential that we would see a revision or, or republishing of the Dark Sun setting. Uh, I'll be I'll be frank here. The Dark Sun setting is problematic I in agree. a lot yeah. of ways. Um, and yeah. that's the main reason we haven't come back to it. We know it's got a huge yeah. fan following. So. Yeah, that's totally fair point. And I think that's already yeah. kind of the consensus. People, I think, just wanted to hear yeah. uh, somebody say it. So that started a bit of a Twitter fire. 
mm-hmm. which I think I think is a little bit unfair because a lot of people were like, oh, Kyle Brink says the Dark Sun's too problematic to ever be released by Wizards of the Coast again. And it's like, that is not what he said. He said that it'd be difficult, that it'd be hard to do. And that's why they haven't yet. Problematic is also, it's one of those words that people try to use or that people do use when they're trying not to use more loaded words. And as in the last several years, you know, it's, it's been used so much for so many things that it's functional, functionally a meaningless term. Um, I think the big miss of that conversation, and again, it was really just, you know, that quick little interchange that was like less than, you know, 20 seconds or something like that, uh, where they're just like, hey, we're going to do this. Uh, No, it's problematic. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I figured. So let's move on. But, (laughs) you know, I recognize that it wasn't really the thrust of why he was there. And and, uh, Bob, the world builder, was just taking an opportunity to ask the question while he had the attention for it. But, you know, you can't like with with the issues that they're alluding to and not talking about, like it's important enough that you should be talking about them. Just saying, oh, this is problematic. That's really kind of a wasteful way of going about it. Um, It's an opportunity for a dialogue to actually put it out there. And I understand Brink's in kind of a weird position as, uh, you know, an authority figure. Uh, for Dungeons and Dragons, so he can't really like speak honestly about it, and he's frankly probably using words like problematic because uh, Wizards of the Coast and D and D and Hasbro haven't like cleared an official company line on that discussion. Uh, but you know, don't like, say what you mean. If you're gonna say, "Oh, it's a really problematic setting, so it's gonna be difficult to do," you need to just hit it head on and say. Yeah, you know, uh, the issue is the way slavery is uh, included and depicted in the setting as a really sort of inherent building block to it. And also, you know, in the last few years in this country, we've had a lot more of a focus on, you know, race, racial discussions, racial equality, things like that. And also we, Wizards of the Coast, Dungeons and Dragons, have kind of screwed up a lot of stuff <laughs> in the last like 36 months that is, you know making us sort of reevaluate the way we analyze these things and make decisions on what's going to be re-released. Now, you know, they probably, he probably doesn't want to say like, yeah, we really screwed this up. So we're kind of afraid to try anything now. I guarantee you five, six years ago, if we were in this position, they would be, they'd be like, Oh yeah, we're working on it. Yeah. I think, I think my big takeaways from what Kyle Brink said is it'd be hard. So we're not doing it right now. Mm hmm. And I think that's a fair stance for Kyle Brink to be taking. And I think it's I think you're absolutely correct. I think there should be a broader conversation about what in Dark Sun is problematic and how someone like Wizards could handle re-releasing that content in a way that kind of better fits their current brand. Mm -hmm. To dismiss it out of hand feels a little disingenuous, but on the flip side of that, This is Kyle Brink trying not to put his foot in his mouth in the middle of what I understand to be a little over an hour long interview. Yeah, disingenuous, I think, is kind of a really good word to describe it, because I don't believe for a minute that there's not several people 
uh, in the state of Washington in a particular office building talking about like, what can we do to re-release Dark Sun? Because it's going to make a ton of money for us when we do that. There's too much of an audience there for them to ignore it. So this idea that it's not going to happen is ridiculous. And whether he intends to do it or not, all he's doing is like building a fervor for it that's going to reach sort of a critical point. And that's when they're actually going to figure out a way to re-release it. And we can talk about what that looks like in a minute. But there's just... You know, they're going back to the well on these IPs, like releasing Strahd two or three times, um, you know, putting Spelljammer back out there. There's absolutely no way they're not going to re-release Dark Sun. They're going to find a way to do it. Um, and maybe he's say, and maybe he's 100 percent right uh, and telling the truth that, like, yeah, it's difficult. And by saying that, he he's not saying that we're actively working on it, like because that's something that he wouldn't be able to say. So maybe he's just trying to buy time for it, but I don't believe for a minute <laughs> with the way with the way they're going back to all this older stuff. I don't believe for a freaking minute that they're not getting ready to re-release it at some point in the next couple of years. Yeah, the thing that I thought was very interesting was amidst the Twitter blow up following all of this, um, newbie DM started a thread where he was talking about you know like here's how I think it could be done better, et cetera, et cetera, and. I uh, I don't entirely agree with NewBDM's take because NewBDM was basically saying it would be good to have a grittier, more grimdark setting mm -hmm. where you're fighting against slavery and fascism and this and that and the third. And I'm like, I don't... Slavery and fascism are elements of Dark Sun that would need addressing carefully, but I don't think that's the limit of it. And I think it's a lot more work than you're letting on. And yeah. Yeah. What I will say was that he sourced a tweet from Ajit George, the mm -hmm. person who worked on, who was like the primary, the lead on Radiant Citadel, mm -hmm. who said he would love to do some work on Dark Sun stuff. And it would be kind of funny to have the like the dichotomy between Radiant Citadel being more like solar punk, very ambitious, but also very you know, hopeful and heart, heart bringing and things like that. And then Dark Sun, which is basically the polar opposite of that. Yeah. And, you know, without trying to play any kind of politics to it or anything, but having Ajit do it for all the good, like all the really good press that Radiant Citadel got, especially as sort of a reaction to all the bad press that they had been getting uh, for uh, the let's let's call them unintentional uh bad decisions regarding race um yeah. you know him taking it on that would be pretty fantastic you know you can probably figure that it's in pretty good hands if he's doing it because he's going to be approaching it with a lot of sensitivity well and also if he is himself as he did with radiant citadel bringing on a very diverse very multicultural group who is like Here's what the original mm -hmm. setting was filled with. And here's how we're going to address these topics. I think it's going to be handled in a really sensitive way and in a way that really colors kind of what the what the campaign setting is about from a grimdark standpoint, while simultaneously keeping it from being almost revelry of the darkness that's within it. Mm -hmm. let's, let's talk about the terms gritty and grimdark a little bit, too, because they, you know, they've been thrown around sort of as a as a unified pair in this discussion. I don't think they necessarily have to be the same thing. Um I agree. 
because especially if you're if you're trying to which I know newbie DM was doing this trying to talk about Dark Sun as a setting and trying to make the argument for its re-release by talking about like hey what you know what's better for an adventuring party than having to fight against an institution that has fascism and slavery etc cetera, etc cetera. um I think the hopeful tone there which if you're playing in that you're 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 kind of hoping that the party is taking that tack on it. I think that I don't think that's grimdark. It's in the same way that I don't think that the Nolan trilogy is like a grimdark take on Batman. It's a grittier, real, more realistic take on Batman, but I don't think it's grimdark. Um, grimdark for me is like a whole other level beyond that. I think the I think personally the appeal of Dark Sun is, uh, you know, there's a couple bullet points, and I'm just doing these off the top of my head. But for me, the appeal of the setting is it's more difficult to survive. It's if you've gotten tired of Greyhawk or um, Forgotten Realms, stuff like that. It's 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 more of a challenge for you as a player. Um, it's a totally different kind of setting with totally different rules for magic, uh, a totally different social order um, with the, the Dragon Kings and such. Um, that to me is the core and the appeal of Dark Sun. Um, you know, this may make me apostate from all the, you know, the OGL, or not OGL, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, is it Grognard? Yeah, Grognard. Yeah, Grognard is essentially <laughs> the word I'm looking for. I was, uh, I can't for the life of me remember the term of the folks who are just so in love with, uh, like, first edition rules, um, it's another OSR. That's it. It's the OSR people. Mm, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, you know, make me, it might make me apostate among the OSR folks, but just take the slavery stuff out. <laughs> like if that is the big impediment to having this wildly different setting, take it out. It's, and, and I feel like I'm repeating myself because I feel like we've had this argument before, uh, but all of it is made up. Like, Every last word of all this stuff is made up. So you're not, there's no integrity to compromise <laughs> by removing that aspect. And you come back and be like, oh, well, you know, it makes sense in a world like that for, you know, with, with like warlords and things like that to have slavery. I was like, but does it have to, you know, does it have to like, if you need that much realism in your game, like the, the second edition version of it is right there. Like, just go play it like I, I'm I don't know, but I'm sure there are tons of 2E to 5E conversions that you can run on that. But that's like my tiny little soapbox about it is like if because I know I know when Wizards eventually does re-release Dark Sun and it doesn't have slavery in it. These are the guys who are going to be like, not my Dark Sun and just going off trolling about it. It's like when I when I watch clips from uh, any of the newer Star Trek stuff on YouTube. And then I scroll down to the comments and it's just troll after troll after troll talking about how this isn't Star Trek. And they're mad because the clip is too woke or it's too inclusive or something like that. And I'm like, that was the whole point of the original series. It was a social commentary on that kind of stuff. But those are going to be the people coming out of the woodwork if there's a uh, uh, quote unquote woke version of dark sun that comes out you know um 
I mean, these are the same people that are walking into comic book stores like, when did X-Men become so political? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. It makes me so mad. But <laughs> but yeah, like Star Trek's always been political. So is X-Men, for the love of God. Uh, but these folks are going to these folks are going to come out there and they're they are going to make a lot of noise. There's going to be very few of them, but they're going to be a very loud and vocal minority about how well they're not doing this anymore you know okay you know bye man like <laughs> i don't want to hear it i really don't I, you don't have to buy it i have terrible news for you and that is it's not they're going to come out of the woodwork it's they're already there fucking because of course tried, they have <laughs> i tried to first in the newbie dm thread there were a couple of people that were like oh just release it like it was a hundred percent the same like let the woke nerds like deal with it. And it's like, no, you know, you know, for a fact, Wizards of the Coast is not going to do that. Yeah, they have a reputation to uphold. They do not want that kind of bad press. But on top of that, I tried to find a couple of videos that were just talking about the uh, the like comment on Dark Sun being problematic and kind of get, you know, like, get, let me get some wider opinion ranges. I exclusively found middle-aged white men who were angry about the idea that Dark Sun was too problematic for Wizards to be releasing it right now. And almost all of them that I saw, which admittedly it was a sample size of like five before I was like, I can't do this anymore. I think three out of the five mentioned the words like leftist woke liberals as part of their like setup. Uh-huh. And it's like, uh Yeah. They they need to design their own TTRPG system that they can write whatever they want to go with well, it. And they can I imagine I well, imagine TSR's hiring. I'm yeah, just saying. Like I guess. I'm waiting for I'm waiting for <laughs> some I'm waiting for some tabletop company to change the change their name or change the name of their product so they can use the initials M-A-G-A to describe it. Cause that's, that's really where these guys are coming from and where it's going. Like, Oh, like for the love of God. And I I know this is uh, akin to, I mean, I'm on the internet complaining about this, but not me, other people who are on the internet complaining about this. Like there's so many other things in your life that you probably should be worried about. I'm only complaining on the internet because I have a podcast and we have to create content for this. <laughs> These guys, I mean, if they're just making YouTube videos on their phones, uh, how many of the videos were vertical? Uh, I don't think any of them were vertical. I think oh, all they're of learning. them were shot. They're learning. All of them were shot in offices with webcams at the very least. Okay. Uh, decent lighting. So like these are people who have legitimate channels. I'm not going to highlight any of them because I really don't care to. Right. Um, but these are people with legitimate YouTube channels having their legitimate TTRPG opinions. And maybe not all of them are that bad, but those certainly are. <laughs> yeah. Like I just, I've, you know, we've off and on for the last year or so, we've had this exact same discussion about, yep. about these guys. And just, I feel like we need to bring a we should actually legitimately look at doing this. We should bring some sort of psychologist or or therapist or something on here to interview them about this idea of, you know, older um, 
white guys who rail against this kind of stuff, who rail against sort of the woke mafia. I would just, I would love to get sort of an opinion from a professional on, you know, what, how they tick, you know? I'm, I'm not a professional, but I'd be happy to give you my opinion. Oh, go for it. <laughs> I think these are dudes who are used to being able to act a certain way and talk a certain way and have people who they consider beneath them. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that with big air quotes. Mm-hmm. And as we are empowering women, as we are empowering people of color, they find themselves threatened, not because they're in any real danger, but because they're concerned that other people will treat them as they've been treating people for decades. I mean, you're not wrong. I just want a professional on here uh, (laughs) to say that. You put doctor in front of somebody's name, all of a sudden, all of a sudden their opinions weigh a lot more. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Just because you went to college and learned all about this for years. (laughs) But like, I I guess I I tend to look at the world uh, sort of pragmatically. Um, Most of my, well, not most, because that that will make me sound like a sociopath, but a lot of my... (laughs) A lot of the ways I look at ethical decisions are from like pragmatic or utilitarian viewpoints, like what is the most good for the most people kind of thing. And so whenever I'm about to like type something into a YouTube comment field or reply to something on Facebook or Twitter, I always stop and ask myself, like, what good will this serve me shouting into the void like this? Uh, and usually that causes me to stop and delete whatever I typed or just navigate away from the page or something like that. And I, I wonder if, uh, you know, with the amount of that kind of stuff I see on the Internet, I, I'm undetermined as to whether or not some people never developed that ability or uh, they just don't they choose not to exercise that kind of discretion. I definitely stopped doing as much in the way of like replying to Facebook and replying to YouTube and et cetera at the point that I was like, who am I benefiting when I do this? Like who, who wins, who, who gets the most gain out of this? And the thing is that if the, if I'm defending a content creator who I think is saying something that is true, but hard to hear, And so my comment means that they get a little bit more like SEO friendliness on search engines. They they trend a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I don't know that I'm going to invest so much of my energy that I start losing my sense of self or that I start being stressed out about it when I'm not literally staring at it. But I mean, if I if I'm going to boost someone who's saying something I think is very true, sure. But when it mm-hmm. comes to railing against people whose opinions I definitely do not agree with, I'll use my own platform for that. Because <laughs> if I'm commenting on their videos, I'm just giving them more views. Yeah. Plus, we got content we got to produce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah I mean, let's I'm, be practical here. Yeah. I'm the same way. I put positive YouTube comments out there all the time. Um, like, here, here's our here's our Soviet Arcade Museum tangent for this episode. But um, I am... <laughs> 
I, I am and have for many years been a huge fan of Steve Wallace on YouTube. Um, if you're unfamiliar with Steve Wallace, he is uh, a Canadian guy from uh, Edmonton, Alberta, and he is widely known uh, among, you know, outdoorsy YouTube types as a stealth camper. And uh, he he uh, usually weekly um, produces a video where he goes and just he, he just goes camping all the time and he shoots a video of it. And he's I've seen him evolve as a filmmaker. He's developed as an editor and everything like that. He he went from doing really like amateurish videos to these really nice polished things now with like multiple shots and stuff. Um, he's really good. And he so he's been covered in uh, like some Canadian media and they call him the Bob Ross of camping because he's just this really soothing, positive guy. And he's just in it to just have a good time and enjoy camping. He doesn't have an agenda. He doesn't monetize his videos or anything like that. Well, so charming. Uh, yeah. Well, about six or seven months ago, uh, his wife unexpectedly passed away and, oh, no. and, uh, you know, he would talk about her all the time on the videos and he, um, posted a little like four minute video announcing her death to everybody and wasn't really holding himself together at all. And uh, then he said, yeah, you know, like the channel's not going away. Like even in the middle of that, he's like, hey, the channel's not going away. Um, and then he disappeared for about four or five weeks and then he came back and he's like, yeah, you know, I've had some time. I'm still dealing with it, obviously, but I'm going to get back out there and start doing stuff. And so then he started producing videos somewhat regularly again and he's still doing it. But he had one video maybe like two or three weeks after he started doing it again where he, where he just talked about how like so many people were trolling him in the comments. So many people were just being assholes. He had to end up hiring a private investigator to uh, track somebody down who was threatening him and his family and stuff like that. So, oh, my God. Yeah. So like that's what I think of when I think of like trolls on the Internet that just want to complain about shit. It's like th that is like that's the potential for some of these people like you're on there complaining about like, oh, uh, they need to, Why can't they release Dark Sun with slavery? That's how it was made. And so that's how it should be forever. By God, like I feel like they're just like a couple steps away from from hitting a tipping point because you never know what can push somebody over the edge. And if they feel feel away enough to actually record that video and post it. Like, you know, what's going to be the thing that gets them off the couch to, you know, be mad about it in a more active, aggressive way? I might be like exaggerating or doomsaying on that a little bit, but I think I think, you know, recent history has shown us that uh, it is at least anecdotally more common now for folks to translate some of that stuff into the real world, unfortunately. But we're getting a little bit off topic there. I think that's reasonable. And I will say, even for people who I absolutely 100% loathe, I would never send a death threat. And I would yeah. strongly encourage literally anyone else to never send anyone a death threat. Because even if that is the most despicable, vile person on the planet, like the absolute worst of the worst, Jeff Bezos... I would not suggest sending them a death threat because like, what, what are you saying about yourself in that scenario? Like, mm -hmm. who are you becoming when you are creating that sort of environment, that sort of toxicity, especially online where you've got like, oh, well, I'm safe behind my username. Like, stop it. Just yeah. stop it. Also, these days, no, you're not. <laughs> There's a little bit of that, too. But yeah. my my point being, even if you're completely anonymous and you know you are, 
like don't do these things don't yeah and not that we're saying necessarily that people who are mad about dark sun re-release not happening at least immediately (laughs) are going to start sending death threats i should hope that none of our listener base is the kind of people who send death threats i i legitimately would be very upset if i found out that any of our listener base is that sort of person yeah but on the flip side of that like you can get really angry at certain things that certain people say online and well, I understand and respect that. I would encourage people to take that as an opportunity to step away and stop engaging with whatever is making you mad. Because on the Internet, engagement is king. Mm-hmm. Now, we've gotten a little bit far afield from that there Twitter thread that you were talking about. <laughs> well, in a, in a manner of speaking, we were kind of on topic this time, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you have any other highlights for that? I didn't really have any other highlights for that. I think just kind of my my quick recap is that I think it's possible to do Dark Sun in modern times without it being deeply problematic and deeply filled with issues. But I also think it takes a creative director with a team of sensitivity readers Mm -hmm. and a multicultural writing team to be able to handle that in a respectful and responsible way. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's why Wizards says it's too hard for us to do right now. Yeah. Now, I, because it had been very much a long time since I'd poked around in the Dark Sun books, uh, went to the old bookshelf and got my um, re-released second edition Dark Sun box set that I bought all the books from the box set and the maps and everything were published in a hardbound book. Um, I talked about it in a Spelljammer book that I that I got like maybe a year ago. Um, it's it's a great resource to be able to get these old box sets uh, in these bound hardcover books for actually not a whole lot of money when you think about it. But anyway, I pulled it down and I started reading through the world guide um, just to like because, you know, I've read it before, but I was 20 years younger and was not looking at it at the same, with through the same lens that I'm trying to read it today and just started going through trying to find sort of exactly how slavery was portrayed there and cuz my initial recollection of it not just from the physical game but also a lot of the old DOS games uh, cuz there were like it, the the gold box games, um, there were two of them that were set in Dark Sun, and I played both of them a lot with my friend who lived up the street from me back in the 90s. And what I remembered mainly from those was sort of gladiatorial slavery, sort of like, uh, you know, Roman-like, etc. So, okay, yeah. So obviously there's that. Um, there are... Uh, uh, several other aspects of it as well. Um, there's essentially whole different casts of, of slaves. Essentially, you've got gladiators, artists, soldiers, farmers, laborers. Um, the soldiers, they're sort of treated a little bit better, but also are punished harsher to keep them in line. And all these people are uh, working for the Dragon Kings, essentially, because the Dragon Kings have these Templars who are like their devoted clergy, and they're essentially the authority figures there. So a Templar can take a freedman and can, maybe if they didn't pay their debts, make them a slave, make them fight, make them farm, make them do whatever. Um, three ways to get to 
you know, become a slave in the setting, born that way, sold into it, or put in there for debt. Um, let's see. <laughs> There's it, it, it phrased something weird when I was reading it. It's like, well, we it, it's essentially acknowledging you know that oh hey there's a lot of this stuff in this setting and it says well we take solace knowing that uh you know sometimes templars can be defeated or betrayed and then knocked down from their lofty position into slavery i'm like that's not you know that's not solace like that's just contributing to a horrible horrible problem um yeah yeah i don't i don't know that i love the idea of the people who are a big part of the issue just mm -hmm. become part of the cycle right so you know generally if you read through it um slavery and dark sun is more or less sort of a, an equal opportunity offender because for every different type of uh person like elves half elves half giants etc 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 it's like it there's a in the description there's a part talking about like you know it, you know if they're enslaved you know etc 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 so everybody's real susceptible to it one of the probably the the harshest things is that there's essentially a a slave race the half dwarves the mules uh and uh you know as the name indicates they are born sterile so but it's spelled m-u-l um and so they're essentially just a race of slaves uh so that's awful uh yeah that that starts out gross and then becomes a little bit more gross when you yeah. realize that that has been used i don't know if it's still used i try not to uh hang out with people who would use such terms it has been used to describe a child of mixed descent I suppose I am fortunate that I've never heard a human being use that term to refer to another human being in the real world. That is amazing. I'm pleased that you haven't. Yeah. I I hadn't heard it said out loud, but I did see it online and I saw someone else call it out for being kind of messed up. And I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. I I can 100% see where racists made that connection. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's Ugh. so there's so much uh dehumanization that uh is talked about in terms of uh you know, the, the Dark Sun takes place on the world of Athos, so the demonym is Athasian. Um but in in sort of this broader Athasian society, um especially slaves that are born into it or who are born into it are uh and i'm using the term dehumanized to refer to all sentient species in within the game um and just you know raised to do what they do what they're supposed to do and that's about it there are uh vil like villages of escaped slaves tribes tribes of escaped slaves in the desert and things like that um but they're always constantly under threat from the dragon kings and their um agents like the templars and things like that so it's i mean it's bad it's really bad um but also you don't have to have that for it to be an effective setting like we've talked about for for everything that you want from it if slavery is one of the things that you really want from the setting then that's that's a you problem that's not a wizards of the coast not wanting to release it problem like yeah but like i said earlier like but if you're going because you're wanting a bit more of a challenge for your character and your role playing and a bit of a different setting that's the right reason to do it not because you 
want to like when I was doing some research for this yesterday, I was poking around online and I found some Reddit posts from like 2012, 2013 or something like that, where a guy was like, yeah, my it was either Reddit or Quora or something like that. And guy was looking for advice because he was DMing a session and one of his players purchased a slave and had them running around essentially like a squire with them. And the guy was like, how do I handle this? Oh, and God. everybody was everybody who responded was just saying all the all the things like you, you like you got to you, you can't. No, that's just not good. And this is like a post from like 10 years ago. And they're like, oh, no, 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 that's not good. And then he comes back to the thread a day or two later after, as I scrolled down through it. And he's like, well, OK, I didn't have to deal with it because my friend freed the slave. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I as I recall, when you've previously talked about Dark Sun and the things you loved about it, it had a lot to do with kind of the more not quite sci-fi, but it's very much not elves in the forest. Right. It's very much a different kind of setting. It's a little more Mad Max. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, it's basically D&D Mad Max. Like, I think that was I think I've literally read that that was one of the inspirations for it. Well, and the the underlying challenge of that setting which I think is something that a lot of people have been missing in 5e. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of GMs complain that it's so hard to kill player characters in 5e mm -hmm. that they're like, I wish I had something a little bit grittier that I could throw at them because I would love to occasionally see player characters die. Yeah. One thing, you know, you know what I'd like to hear um, Tim Brown, who was uh, the co-creator of Dark Sun, I would really love to know his opinion on all this, because um, maybe it was like just over 10 years ago, he put out Dragon Kings, which was essentially a spiritual successor to uh, Dark Sun. It was a, it's a it was a system neutral setting book, um, but it was like basically just like dark sun that you bought at aldi or something um i bought a pdf of it years ago and i tried to find it but it's probably like two computers ago by now um i looked for it before we talk we're talking about this just so i could um compare to it because i was just wondering if the stance on that or maybe like his desire to incorporate that as a play element had changed from the 90s uh to the you know 2010s um, I couldn't find the PDF, so I ended up having to dig around a little bit. And all I really found was that uh, slavery still does exist as an institution on that world, which I believe is called like Keton or something. Um, uh, there are a couple of tribes that engage in slavery. Um, and then there's a magical college that, uh, cause like, you know, sort of in like, the the osr style of magic use how you're actually like pulling at threads of the universe it can have deleterious effects on you um like one of the magical colleges there the sorcerers um have essentially pools of slaves that they use to redirect the negative effects of their magic to um so again that was like 10 years ago or more that he wrote this so i would love to talk to tim brown like now in 2023 and be like hey so this is a conversation about dark sun like how do you feel about it um you know what would like if you had to do it all over again what would you do 
I mean, I wouldn't be entirely surprised given that the interview I referenced between Bob Worldbuilder and Kyle Brink was literally a week ago that mm-hmm. that got released. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked to find that in another week or two, we hear something from Tim Brown on the subject. Yeah. Whether it's an interview or a public statement or what. Because I remember when uh, when Spelljammer was coming back up, and mm-hmm. that was one that, wasn't that uh, Zeb Cook that came out of the woodworks and was like... No, that was Jeff Grubb. You're right, Jeff Grubb. That's yep. it. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for the correction. Zeb uh, Cook Jeff- was Planescape. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you can keep all of this straight. I mm-hmm. need notes. Um, <laughs> Jeff Grubb came out and was like, yeah, they didn't really talk to me, but I'm glad that they're doing it. Like, yeah. I imagine, I imagine that there's no way Tim Brown's not hearing something about this in the next week or so. Well, first of all, let's make sure Tim Brown is alive. Um. Look, seances exist. Tim Brown's going to hear about this one way or another. Bottom line is, I believe he's alive. But if I go to his Twitter, uh, the last thing he posted was from 2014. And it was get the Dragon King CD on Amazon because he uh, as part of a kick (laughs) as part of a Kickstarter, he created a soundtrack for the setting as well. Um, Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably shoot him a message after this and just see if he's willing to chat for a few minutes. I'm I'm pulling up his Wikipedia page right now. <laughs> Do you remember when there was a website? Um, it was like is com or something like that. I do recall this website. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, one day, the answer was yes. Sadly, one day, the answer was yes. Mm-hmm. I. This is troubling. He has a Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. But the Wikipedia page lists how long he was in publication, not how long he's been alive. So it only shows 1986 to 2005, which for a moment I was like, then how was he tweeting in 2014? Well, Tim Brown, if you're still alive and you listen to our podcast, please reach out to us. Listen, we're we are so sorry that. We are not sure whether or not you're alive, but in fairness to us, we've lost a lot of really cool people in the last few years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, one thing one thing I'll say about uh, Dark Sun that kind of surprised me as I was reading it sort of a little more critically based on these issues is at least as written, there's a tremendous amount of gender equality. Because. uh, the only time there's any sort of distinction is in the lowest uh, levels of the slavery castes uh, where like men generally are considered to be stronger uh, for like a lot of the manual labor, which, you know, also not a great take. But I thought it was interesting that it sort of went out of its way to talk about that kind of equality uh, and not elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said with a uh, clear rising intonation of a question at the end of his at the end of his words. A, a mild grimace to follow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I just I'm pretty against having I 
I understand why people want to include slavery in their games, both from a standpoint mm -hmm. of like, it is a real thing that really happened to real people. Mm -hmm. And from the standpoint of it is a real thing that is still happening in some places to real mm -hmm. people. Right. But I also like, I don't know, man, like, I don't want to play games so that I can experience the worst parts of humanity. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm trying to think of not only how I want to say something, but what I want to say, like. You can make an argument that by existing, like having your character exist in this fantasy world with that kind of institution, you are not actually supporting human trafficking or the enslavement of people. Um, but you sure don't have a leg to stand on to say that you're not supporting it or, or working against it, you know? And I, it just goes back to if that is the one singular thing that you think is the quintessential aspect of dark sun, then you're, you're looking at it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Yeah, if you if you see the words escapist fantasy and you're like, you know what my escapist fantasy means? Slavery. Yeah. I don't know that we can be friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, for one, look forward to uh, Wizards of the Coast's eventual, eventual re-release of Dark Sun after they've had a chance to sort of process out, hopefully, most of this stuff. Because, um, again, there's too much money in that IP that they're not they're absolutely not just going to let it sit there. They're going to figure out a way to make this happen. Um, and if it ends up if the end result is a Dark Sun is released that is the culmination of all the lessons that they either have learned purposefully or have been forced to learn through their own mistakes in the last few years, then that's a tremendous win. Like a more inclusive Dark Sun where everybody can feel good about playing it, except for the racists who are mad that there's no slavery in it. I have to say, I hadn't considered it from that angle, but the concept of uh, Wizards of the Coast being like, yeah, you know what? We screwed up with the Hadazi, but we're going to prove that we can do this right by re-releasing Dark Sun in a non-problematic way. I'd, I'd be so happy about that. A, a re-release Dark Sun is the, is the final boss for Wizards of the Coast's current problems. <laughs> like if they can do that, then they they have defeated the BBEG in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Josh, do you have anything else? No, I think that's a great place to close out the episode. Are you kidding me? Yeah. All right. Well, if uh, anybody has any uh, opinions on Dark Sun, except for bad ones, uh, you can reach out to me <laughs> at Way of Brandalore on uh, Twitter and Discord and various other places. Um, uh, oh, yeah. And the Discord bit.ly slash Goblin Discord. As always, a link in the show notes. Or you can reach out to me at Black Cloak DM on Twitter and Discord. Um, as as always, we would love it if you would telephone, telegraph, tell a friend about the Goblins and Growlers podcast. Of course. Because that's where we get all our new listeners from. Because mm -hmm. we do not have money for marketing, though we might in the near future. We'll see. Yeah. No, we'll we'll get some uh we'll have some guests on the show with very, very like uh 
on fire opinions about things like real bad opinions will cause some controversy. Oh no. <laughs> I don't know if I want that popularity. Yeah. And if you want to reach us uh, by more old school means, you can email us contact at goblins and Uh Bonus points. If your subject line says, I have a good opinion about dark sun. We will read good opinions about dark sun on the air. We'll do it. Yeah, and if you have good suggestions for a re-release Dark Sun, we'll also read those on the air. We can't promise anybody from Wizards will hear them, but we'll read them on the air. <laughs> um, but I guess, according to Josh, we'll be back in two weeks since this is just our new release schedule now. Like, this is I, fine. I am, I'm just trying I am, to be a realist here, man. Yeah, I am comfortable with the way events are unfolding. This is fine. <laughs> um... All right. Well, we will catch up to everybody later. Thanks for listening to us. Bye, y'all. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing and giving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. Especially early in the feed, subscriptions and reviews are super helpful for bringing new listeners our way. Thank you.